You're listening to Crusader Chronicles Episode 5, featuring Amazing Spider-Man number 149 and X-Men number 95 from July 1975. to the fifth episode of Crusader Chronicles. I'm your host, Pat Sampson. Crusader Chronicles is a spin-off podcast that will journal the comic book issues read chronologically by their release date from my comic book collection either in digital, in a trade, or from the many long boxes stashed away in my basement. Each episode will provide short recaps, reviews, and ratings of the issue or issues from that release date. Sometimes I will be joined by fellow podcasters and friends, or sometimes it just might be me alone. The goal is to keep me actively reading through my collection. Joining me this episode are Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist. That is a prescription for danger. And his brother, Jason Albrecht, my co-host from our main podcast, The Longbox Crusade. Also joining us this episode is Delvin Williams. Now before we get started with this episode's issue, let's take a quick podcast promo break. Phew, another great show wrapped. Sure was. Now, uh, time to move on to our serious business. Time for the monthly team meeting. So, Team WFD, roll call. Activate. Host, Mike. I'm here, bro. Webmaster, Doug. Hey, everybody. Tech support, Rifty. Huzzah. It is I, Rifty. Ascendient Twitter account, Wilfred. And me, other host, Paul. Okay, everyone present. Now let's look at our upcoming schedule because we've got some big things coming up. I think our first order of business should be the new segment, Thoughts. Is the new segment segment about about my triumphant triumphant return return to your world? world? What the f***? Holy s***. Son of a... Who let the candle maker in here? Well, Fred? There are far too many humans on this show. I'm just trying to balance things out. Look, I'm, so- I'm sorry, Candlemaker. There's nothing really for you in the upcoming episodes. Plus, let's be honest, you, you had your 15 minutes. What? what? How dare you? I'm King Kandor. Yeah, 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 whatever. Look, um, we've got a new segment launching. We've got some guests planned, Jail May 2 to look forward to. Not to mention our 100th episode coming up, and we really don't have room for you. I'm sorry. But, 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 what? But, what? Uh, <sighs> Fine. Whatever. You mortals and your show suck. Oh, yeah? Well, we might suck, but we can still blow you out just like Dorothy the Ape Face Girl did. Yeah, in your face, King Candle. Oh, ha ha. Very funny. Bye, losers. See you in hell. Man, that guy was a jerk. Waiting for Doom, the world's greatest Doom Patrol podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Podbean.com. All right, welcome back from that podcast promo break. We're going to get into the first issue for this episode, and it is Amazing Spider-Man number 149. It had a cover date of October 1975, but uh, for this, it's on sale is July 8th, 1975. We have the editor is Marv Wolfman. Writer is... 
was my Wolfman. I tried to add some production value. I'm there sorry. Yeah. Well, that saves me from, from putting it in later. Thank you. Oh, we have our writer is Jerry Conway. Penciler is Ross Andrew. Andrew. And inker is Mike Espodito. 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 <laughs> I think it's Esposito, but... It's oh, yeah. <laughs> See? Okay. Half the fun show. Espedito. It's Esposito. Esposito. There you go. Esposito. Yeah. I say Posito. You say Podito. <laughs> I say Cristados. <laughs> All these names he cannot Dorito. <laughs> Welcome to the Longbox Crusades. What's that? What's that talking software that teaches you to speak? Rosetta, uh, are you? Rosetta Stone. S O C K S. Maybe we can get them to be a sponsor of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody reach out to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> Help me, please. Uh, well, with that, let's go on into the cover, and the cover is penciled by Gil Kane again, and inks by Frank Giacola. Yeah. Giancola? Giancola. I think it's Giancola. <laughs> you and Anchors are not having a good night. <laughs> I know. I see. I, I'm just bad with names. It just it doesn't work. So why don't we let somebody who knows what they're talking about speak to the cover? Oh, goodness. Is that my cue? Yeah, that's you. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, well, Amazing Spider-Man 149 has a, uh Interesting cover. I mean, it's a Gil Kane, so you know it's going to uh, be dynamic. It's got that old school, uh, that old school feel. So anyway, it depicts uh, Spider-Man fighting Spider-Man. Like a, a, well, I don't know. Is it a twin? Is it a clone? We'll see. It's but a clone. Ah. Is it chameleon? <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. Anyway, the big Spider-Man fighting Spider-Man in the foreground. They're both swinging on webs. In the background, you see Ned Leeds, and he's tied up to a bundle of dynamite. And standing over everything, sort of watching the mayhem take place, we have the Jackal. Uh, you can tell there's some stadium lights on the side. Uh, so very, very dynamic. Once again, Gil Kane style. Nice angle from the ground up uh, look. Uh, it's got some good use of color. And it's got the uh, the just like last episode that we talked about, I mean, Spider Man. It's got those those word balloons that they used to put on the covers a lot. And the jackal is saying, "One web one web slinger must slay the other, or Ned Leeds is doomed." Either way, the jackal will have his revenge. And a uh, little blurb down at the bottom left says, "This is it, the astonishing climax of the Spidey Jackal War. Even if I live, I die." Otherwise, it's a standard format with the with the web. Uh, sling title, if you will. Very 1975. That's my recap of the cover. The end. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, let me, let's get to our um, with the cover. What would you guys do? Would you frame it or box it? Or is it not worth anything? <laughs> Rankings one through three. Frame it. Yep. Does its job or just leave it in the long box, right? Yep. Well, let's start with Jared. Um, I think it's a it's a does its job cover, so I'm going to give it a two. The only thing that I don't like about it. Oh, I'm sorry. We'll get in the chat about it. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say go the ahead. the only thing I don't like about it is heavy, heavy use of yellow, and you kind of need that to help Spidey pop in the foreground. But uh, I just feel like he could there could have been something. You know, the yellow is just a little off putting for me. But aside from that, I mean, it's Gil Kane, so he didn't color it. 
And I don't want to harp too bad on the colorist. I mean, it's it did its job. Like I gave it a two. It's a good cover, but it's not the the best we've seen uh, since we've been doing Spidey covers on the show. That's it. All right, let's go to Jason. Um, yeah, I pretty much. I'm just going to parrot what Jared said. I think it's a good cover. Gil Kane, uh, obviously, very talented. Uh, uh, well, let's just say he's iconic. I mean, everything that he does is great. But but yeah, this would go in the box for me as well. It's uh, it does its job. Uh, nothing that that really makes it stand out as far as it being you know one of those iconic covers. So two for me. Two for you, Delvin. Yeah, I'm in the same boat with uh, with Jared and Jason here. I, I I think it's an in the box one. If you think about like all the repercussions this book and you know 150, which we're not discussing had in the spider-man universe like and then you look at the cover you would think that the cover would be something just crazy dynamic or something and of course they didn't know this back in you know 1975 you know that they would be drawing so heavily from it but you know like the cover does its job it it does its job It, it, it doesn't but the book had so much impact you would think that they could have had an even more dynamic cover than what they had I think I'm there with you guys too. That it's it, it's a good cover to me as well. It's nothing outstanding uh, art wise. It's great. It's just what I want this framed just by the art or by looking at it. Um, iconic wise, yeah, but yeah, that's why I think it, it gets it gets my middle road here. So all right. Well, with that, why don't we get into the story? And Jared, you're going to give us a synopsis. I am going to give us the synopsis. While attending a demonstration in radiology, high school student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the spider's powers and had, in effect, become a human spider. A Spider-Man. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man. story is even if i live i die and after a quick two-page recap of issue 148 we find spider-man waking up in a basement strapped to a table and coming face to face with his captor the jackal spidey quickly breaks his restraints using his spider strength but is still woozy from the drugs jackal tagged him with in the last issue his reactions are slow and the jackal defeats spidey fairly quickly once the jackal gets the upper hand he does what all great villains do 
he monologues. He reveals <laughs> that <laughs> true story. He reveals that his uh, alternate identity, Professor Warren, had a bizarre infatuation with Gwen Stacy, and upon finding out that she had died, he lost his sanity and began cloning her and Peter using the DNA he had collected from them during biology class. He even murdered his lab assistant as his sanity left him and created the personality of the jackal so that as Professor Warren, he would not feel responsible for the murder and his other nefarious deeds, like the successful cloning of Gwen. Once he has babbled away the whole backstory to Spidey, he leaves Spidey with a challenge to combat later that night. As Peter Parker, our hero stops by the Daily Bugle to discover that Ned Leeds is also missing. Back into Spidey Tugs, our web-slinger heads to his appointment with the Jackal, where once again, the Jackal gets a drop on our hero and injects him with a knockout drug. When Spider-Man comes to, he finds there is another Spider-Man there as well. The Jackal has cloned Spider-Man, and only the real Spider-Man can defuse the bomb that is going to kill Ned Leeds. As the hot Spidey-on-Spidey action goes down, Gwen Clone (laughs) rips off Jackal's mask and exposes Professor Warren to the truth of his deeds, which makes him realize what he's done. So he frees Ned just before the bomb explodes. The bomb kills Professor Warren and one of the Spider-Man. But did it kill the real Spider-Man or the clone? In a short epilogue, Gwen Stacy leaves Peter Parker to start a new life, and Peter returns home with a clear head to find Mary Jane waiting for him, and he rekindles their relationship. There's your recap. All right. Well, thank you. That was great. No problem. Thank you. Let's uh, get into our first segment on this issue is the first read or reread. And let's ask Jason that. Uh, this was a first read for me. How about Delvin? I'm pretty sure it was a first read for me, too. You know, again, with all of the recent stuff that they brought up about, like, you know, these issues, it feels like I've read it. But I'm pretty sure this is my first read. It's a first read for me as well, too. So how about you, Jared? This is a first read for me. With that, then, let's go into highs and lows of this story. We'll start with Delvin. Okay. Uh, Let's see. I I think, if if anything, that I'll give Conway credit for it. And I, I keep going back to, like, this book. Even like at some point, I don't know whether it was Dan Slott. I don't know if it were Howard Mackey who wrote like later. They they went back and looked at this issue and these issues and they were like, this crap was incredible. And and, and you look at how much stuff happened just in this book alone. This one issue, like 22 pages and the, the all the stuff that Jerry Conway put in that issue. And it's like that it, it, it kind of blew me away a little bit. Uh, I, I just... Like Jackal, like, you know, he kidnapped Peter and he explained in in two pages, he explained exactly why he hated Peter Parker and why he loved Gwen, even a little creepy. And he uh, in his obsession and how it changed him. And then, like in the next couple of pages, it mentioned, you know, how how unstable that uh, Jackal was, that he had to create that that kind of alter ego. I mean, like in about four pages, like Conway without rushing it, got through what could have been paragraph if you're reading it in a book. And I, I just thought that like that was really incredible. The clone introduction was well done. And then like the clone fight happened. And then again, like Conway, like in, in and I, I say, I mean, this in a good way. He puts things on fast forward again. It's like there was a, the clone fight, which again, in hindsight is was iconic. And then, you know, Peter Parker had a personal struggle, not just like, you know, this. these are all the things I've been wrestling with. Then Gwen had her turn. And then uh, the Jackal made his turn from kind of like having a little bit of redemption. And that was like four pages again that he did all of that stuff. It was like action, but with the intrigue, but the story again, like Conway 
Like you have to just be some master scribe to do that. And then probably the biggest takeaway I took from the book is like in a real sense, it, it kind of plays Gwen as Spidey's number one, number one girl, you know, like because Spidey was kind of like, uh, hey, yeah, Kong Gwen, <laughs> how you doing? And, and she was like, uh, nope, not not going to work out, dude, beat it. And he's like, oh, oh, yeah, Mary Jane. <laughs> yeah, I, I like you now. It, it, that's 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 kind of big because they've sort of changed that in recent years where you know it's always been mary jane kind of but like not at least as far back as like the mid 70s like gwen was still the number one girl even clone gwen that's me let's go to uh jason with your highs lows well i i think one i mean i i just wanted to say you know i i've been reading comics for a while and and the name ross andrew is an artist um, never really stuck with me, but but his artwork really is amazing in 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 the series, and um, and it, we touched a, a little bit upon it um, last issue when we talked about uh, one forty eight. But it just continues to really um, he just he just really complements Jerry Conway's story so well, and uh, that's th- that's kind of a unique. Um, um, thing for an artist, it's a it's it's a really nice blend of great storytelling uh, with an artist who really serves the story. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, as far as likes, as far as the story goes, I thought uh, I really liked kind of the creepy character development of Jackal. Like I said last last time, I never heard of this character before. Yeah, and he was that was creepy. Yeah, it was dark, man. It was like really dark and. And Conway, like, really brings it up to the edge. I mean, that infatuation with Gwen Stacy, you know, he makes a comment in there. I thought of her like a daughter. And I'm like, yeah, I think you're thinking a little more than a daughter. <laughs> that's, there. No, that's what I'm like, well, wait a that's, minute here. You're Come having on. some unhealthy thoughts. Um, <laughs> and then so she's I, coming out of the, the cloning chamber all. All naked and everything. Yeah. 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 That's, mm, that's, yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, yeah, I have. Oh, some. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was so I, muted. I thought that was really good, and I really liked the ending of it too. I mean, the Spider-Man stories, you know, at the end of the day, are all about the the heart, um, and, and that's that was one where you know it's it's Peter Parker, he's transitioning, and you know he'll always love Gwen Stacy. And leaving her again uh, is, is one of the hardest things that he has to do, and. Uh, but he does, and he goes, and he starts his new life with Mary Jane, and I think you know that's a good. Um, uh, that's a, that was a, a really um, good ending to that story. A couple of the dislikes I had with it, I thought the Spider Clone fight was weird. There was wasn't really a reason for them to be fighting. <laughs> it's like you know, I'm me, no, I'm me, no, I'm me, and it's like, but don't we both not like him? Why don't we, you know, kick his ass and then sort all this out later? <laughs> Where, I thought where that. The, sorry, but uh, where does the Spider Clone get the same costume? Yeah, exa- yeah, another good point. And I thought too that was kind of an interesting like, if it were me, if I were writing it, and we talked about last issue how we thought the um, how how the Jackal not triggering the Spider Sense was kind of a Deus Machina a little bit, you know. Uh, if it's me, I'm going to say, like, he used the clone to give himself those powers. Like, you know, he, he sure. cloned a Spider-Man, and that's how he became super strong. And that's how he's able to cancel out spiders, uh, Spider-Man's spider sense. That's how I would have done it, had it been me. That, that would have made 
more sense because again, I thought it was really weird. Like, even though I like the emotional aspects of the villain, I thought the physical thing where like all of a sudden he's a match for Spider-Man because like, <laughs> because he worked he went, out. Yeah. Cause he did the P90X. <laughs> I, I'm like, that's not, how this, that's, that's not how this works, man. <laughs> I got some, I got pushups. <laughs> yeah, you're still at the end of the day. You're a middle-aged college professor. Granted, you got that 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 crazy strength going for you, but but still, I thought that was that was a little weird, and that's kind of how I would have taken it if I'd have been the writer. But hey, that's that's just me. And I thought that the I thought really that the fight at the end was really anticlimactic. It seemed really contrived in a way to get a Spider-Man versus Spider-Man type fight going on, and and I really thought that the the fight against um, Tarantula in the previous issue was way better like that was a great that was a great fight scene so i thought that was a little weak um but yeah that's that's pretty much it i i thought overall it was a, a good issue and a, and a decent conclusion but you know not quite worthy of what they built it up towards i suppose yeah you know i'll i'll, I'll go with my highs and lows here too and, and i'll kind of just piggyback off of that I, I kind of felt the same thing after reading this i was like man this doesn't just pay off as much as i was wanting it to i guess I was I was I was hoping for a, a, a little more of it. Yeah, not, yeah. I mean, it was a, still a, a decent story for me, but I was I was hoping for a bigger payoff on it. The, the fight, yeah, I could have done without that. I think you're right that the, the tarantula fight. Man, I cannot use my words today. <laughs> tarantula. Yeah. <laughs> I thought don't drink in podcast, kids. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe I should. I might sound better. <laughs> I think that fight was a lot better. It would even been better him fighting the jackal. Yeah, you know that's what I, I would add. The guy so buffed, he could have he could have <laughs> took two. Yeah, Spider-Man look at all. And, I'm just saying, CrossFit does wonders. You know? <laughs> I he guess he so. had his wads going. You know, just that's enough to beat Spidey back in the day. Like they <laughs> they they constantly undervalued Spidey's strength. Like I mean. Kingpin used to kick Spider-Man's butt, and Kingpin is just a strong dude, you know? So, you know, you look at Jackal, and you're right. Like, like pretty much Spider-Man got off the table. It's like, all right, I'm ready to go. And Jackal's like, yeah, you're ready to go get your butt whooped. <laughs> he, just, <laughs> he just knocked him around, and it's like, hey, I know. He's, like, slamming the table on him and everything. I, <laughs> yeah. He, he, he handed Spider-Man a loss in about two pages. Like, good God. <laughs> That's that's a, that's a whooping. <laughs> Oops, pal! Surprise! Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, Ouchville population, you bro. Yeah, <laughs> but but that's how they used to do Spidey. Like, and I don't know whether they explained it as him just kind of being a younger man, but like that that definitely wouldn't fly in, in today's comic books. You wouldn't see Jackal beasting Spider Man like that unless they really explain the reason why. Yeah. yeah. And and that's kind of the that's kind of the fun of that I'm having reading these for you know for first time rediscovering that stuff or discovering it for the first time too is comparing it to the Spidey that I was reading in the later 80s 90s listen there's some differences here definitely i'm used to mary jane you know him being with mary jane and it's not as much with gwen um so that's a new discovery for me as well too you know i've heard the stories and all that and i guess i never you know going through this for the first time is is an eye-opener and very uh, a good discovery for me 
Uh, other than that, I, like I said, I was just kind of disappointed that I wanted a little bit more out of the story. So, how about you, Jared? Oh, yeah. I haven't done my highs and lows. That's good to you. <laughs> we got four guys on the show. We pretty much have covered it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you guys saw. I think I, I really enjoyed this whole series. And I, I know Delvin's at a, a little bit of a disadvantage because we did like every part of the series up to the conclusion already. But the whole series was great. And I agree with you guys. I think this was a little anticlimactic. My favorite part of the anticlimactic thing was when the jackal was like, one of you's a clone and one of you's real and only the real one can dis, you know, disable the bomb. And then the jackal saves Ned leaves by cutting the leather belt thing that's holding him up. And I'm just like, okay, so <laughs> you can save Ned Leeds <laughs> by snapping the leather belt. That is one needlessly complex bomb, my friend, because all you gotta do is snap the belt. So that was funny to me. Uh, aside from that, I agree with you guys. I, 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 I like the character of the Jackal. I didn't know much about him. And while the story does kind of peter out. Hang on, I'm not done. <laughs> okay. You, the, story, <laughs> the story does peter out. Which Remember, this want. is going up on the web. okay Uh, those are are some amazing jokes there anyway because (laughs) anyway this the story does fade a little bit at the end it couldn't end stronger but what's weird is we want we read it from a different perspective especially if you're familiar with the clone saga from the 90s which i'm not which i I think delvin and i are pat are, are you familiar with clone saga from the 90s a l- just a little I know piece, of yeah, it yeah right? of it bits and pieces oh my but I'm what it does is like it really adds a lot a whole new level to when you go back and read it and like we were saying on the last episode Pat I mean the whole reason you have it on the collected CD-ROM is because they were like here's the story that led to the big Clone Saga story which did turn into a miggity mush of, of problems oh my god uh, I'm the but, only one who read that originally out of the four of us I feel so so I read it no I've read it <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't read it when it came out though I read it when it came out I explained it to it you was, it I was think fin- I stopped it reading was, when it came out <laughs> it was just finishing when I got back into comics so I, I bought it in back issue and what read year it was that the late Ooh. 90s yeah yeah okay, yeah it might have been on my down yeah. The comic, the comics industry were in the ICU about this time. Yeah, I think one of the lead writers on it was, if I'm not mistaken, was J.M.D. Mateus. And Howard and, Mackey. And Howard Mackey. As, uh, I only brought that up so I could say that my, my uh, Twitter friend, because J.M.D. Mateus follows me on Twitter, uh, was, well, that's all I wanted to say. So Humble brag. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have nothing to say about Spider-Man J.M.D. Mateus. I just wanted to let everybody know that he follows me on Twitter. All right, no. we got it. Um, so does anyone have any questions about my new best friend, J.M.D. Mateus? <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, though. That, for my highs and lows, that's it. Everything you guys said, I just want to point out that needlessly complex bomb. Only one of you can defuse it. Unless, of course, you untie this rope. <laughs> so that's it. Yeah, Jackal, like, even at the start of the, the whole thing, it's like, okay – since I could like, you know, completely body you in like two pages, you know, I could kick your butt now, but you know, since I already set up this trap at the stadium, let's go do that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I made the bomb. (laughs) I hung up Ned Leeds. Let's just do this. (laughs) I spent all day cooking this clone. Right. You know, you know, somewhere, somewhere Scott Jackal needed to be like, dude, I got a gun. You can just go kill him. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, but it's still great story arc overall, even if it did fizzle a little at the end. Good, but good, good times, good times. Oh yeah, definitely. It I was a good read. It was just uh, I was wanting the build up to it was just so big. I thought for me, I'll see what my friend JM Dima thinks. <laughs> <laughs> good old JM. He, he wrote some, he wrote some classics by himself though. Like he did. I, he did Craven's Last Hunt. I think. Mm-hmm. He he did mm-hmm. this long arc between Harry Osborne. And Peter Parker, it was just this whole, I mean, it was like two years of psychological drama. It was crazy. Like, they freaking hated each other. It was like, he, really good. Well, if we uh, stick around on this, keep doing this show for a while, we're going to go through it because I got <laughs> we'll up get to there. issue. We'll <laughs> yes. get there. I got up to issue 400 or, or higher or whatever, 40 years of. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I'm, stick I'm, around. I'm thinking about just, I mean, when. I read like the clone saga back in the nineties and how they drew on like 149 and stuff like that for source material, because like they had this idea and it's like, Hey, we're going to do this clone thing. And it's going to be like a little six month in and out story. You know, it's awesome. And then like the book ratings took off and then the editors were like, keep it going. And Howard Mackey was kind of like, uh, but it was only supposed to be month and like, well do it or you're fired. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. And so they they drug it out and drug it out. And it got so convoluted where at one point the clone was actually the original. And it was it. it, And that and Mary Jane had a baby. And it was it was all over the place. As far as I know, they have never spoken of that baby again. No, no, they haven't. Not not in the the six one six. They haven't. And and, and, baby hmm? was a clone baby. No. If Peter Parker and like Peter Parker thought he was like not the real Spider-Man anymore. And so he kind of like settled and retired and him and Mary Jane had a kid. And somebody from Osborne's organization stole the baby. Yeah. And it was never spoken of again. Yep. Someone from Osborne's organization stole the baby and they never mentioned it, even though they 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 tied that in. Uh, Yeah, it's a whole thing. Let's keep going. (laughs) <laughs> yeah we'll get there we'll get there about five six years down the road yeah we'll get there well, it gives me something to look forward to now even more well anybody got anything else uh highs and lows before we get to ratings nah well, i think we're good y'all all right. yeah good good all right well let's let's rate this we'll start with jason uh i'm gonna caveat this by saying i'm gonna give this the story i would give the story arc a three i, I would give this issue a two so you had a three Wait, or a you know we're on a one to five scale on this, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, are we? Yeah, yeah. Well, three oh, is for the covers. <laughs> okay. What What's the one that was uh, liked it? Uh, that's we, a three. Is, three. Three. Okay, I'll give this one a three. The story oh. arc gets a four. Maybe I got. Yeah, read. that sounds that sounds more appropriate. <laughs> Let me reiterate okay. what the rating system is. And <laughs> yeah, you only have to tell me like every Jason episode. Is, yeah. All right. We're, we have a rating system here, and it's a a one through five, and it is one hated it, two didn't like it, three liked it, four really liked it, five is a loved it. Kind of based off of the Netflix old rating there, and I've uh, kind of taken this from another pod or another blogger podcaster that was using it too to do his too from uh, Chris from Myth Making ETC. Well then lock me in for a three for the issue. Alright, you locked in. No whammy. <laughs> we'll go to Jared. I didn't actually read this issue. Okay. Here <laughs> we go again. 
Every episode, every it's still episode. funny. It's still never funny. gets old. Jerry. Would you like me to explain the ratings to you? <laughs> yes, I'm unsure of how the rating system works. Okay, I'm <laughs> going to do this backwards. No, but for real, um, is <laughs> this is a this is a this is a tough one because J- Jason's right. Um, the the storyline itself is great. Like, like Jason said, I'd give the storyline itself a four. Uh, this particular issue, yeah, I'm gonna side with Jason and say it, the anticlimactic ending. I, I want to give it a four, like I gave every other issue, but this one's the weakest one, so it is a three. Three for you and Delvin. How about you? I gave it a four. Um, I, you I son of a. <laughs> Thank you for being come here. At come at me, sir. <laughs> rookie mistake, Delvin. Rookie mistake. <laughs> You're a rookie mistake. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a good issue, a great issue. I mean, there was a lot, there was lots happening, and you know, I guess there's a little bit of nostalgia hidden for me because there's a reason that this art became just source material for so much stuff that happened now. I mean, nowadays a freaking Spidey, like I swear, I can name four characters right off the bat that are pretty much clones of Peter Parker right now. Like there, there's a reason that this stuff was iconic, and so I, I, I that played a big factor into me giving it a four. You know, we did mention some of the lows, but I, I, it's still at a four for me. I hear you. I think I'm kind of I'm caught between a four and a three on this too. But I'm not play. Take the cop out. Take the three point five. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't do the three point five. I got to give it a three. My heart says a three. That one was kind of moving me closer to that four, just because. Yeah, I know he was convincing uh, me. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, for me, I mean, it, yeah, I think that's why, why I'd say the. The story arc as a, as a whole would definitely be a four. It's a solid four for me. It's just this one issue, yeah. I, you know, and when we compare it to that issue before, I think that issue before was really knocking it out of the park. I think so, too. See, yeah. Maybe I'd be on the same page had I read the issue before, you know. I, and yeah. I, well, we can so, read. yeah, I, I think if you look at it, you know, as a whole, it's easy to make that 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 argument that it's a four. Uh, I'm just looking at it like this one individual issue to me was a little weaker than the ones we've read previously. I agree. Maybe I'll scan those issues for Delvin. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, you can go to Marvel Unlimited, you know, make sure that you have your finger, you know, to the computer so it cures your diabetes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, with that, does anybody have uh, anything else you'd like to talk about uh, for Spider-Man issue number 149? It's a four. Greatest issue ever. (laughs) (laughs) I think we can wrap this one up and put a bow on it. All right. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Well, with that, why don't we go ahead and hit uh, another podcast break, and we'll be right back. Okay. I'm going to do the promo now. Really? Finally. Okay, let's do the promo. What do you mean, let's do the promo? I'm the one who has to do it. Well, get on with it then. Okay, okay, here we go. Iron Man, the Incredible Hulk, the Mighty Thor, the Captain America. Wow, being dramatic there, aren't we? Do do you think it's too much? Should I back off? No, 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 you're fine. You're good. Okay. You've seen the Earth's mightiest heroes in the Avengers franchise of films. Now you can enjoy the stories that have inspired those films through the magic of comic podcasting. Magic of podcasting? You sure about that one? Well, yeah, because, you know, we're awesome. Like, 
magic. Only without actually seeing any magical things. Just go with it, go with it, go with it. Okay. Don't forget to tell them what we're actually doing on the show. Oh, oh yeah, okay. So join Lily Wilson, the awesomest teenage comics fan in the world. Mm-hmm. As her father takes her through all the early comics that feature characters from the Avengers franchise of films. And some that aren't in those films yet, but will be. Because we started with the anime before we had a whole film. Oh, well, yeah. And don't forget Spider-Man. So that's not the Avenger, but he's there. Oh, okay. So um, maybe it should be that feature characters that have been, are currently, or will one day be in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. Better. And where should they go not see this magical podcasty goodness? New episodes can be found... <coughs> do I have to do the voice? Yes, you do. Okay, okay. New episodes can be found at the Complete Marvel Reading Order website, cmro.travis-starns.com, and clicking under the Podcasts tab. Or on iTunes by searching Complete Marvel Reading Order, or just search for the name of the show itself. Um, Dad? Don't you think we should actually say the name of our show? Oh. Yeah! Avengers! Inspirations! Podcast! Listen and stuff. Yeah, good job, Dad. Thank you. Welcome back from the break. Next issue we're going to talk about is X-Men number 95, with an on-sale date of July 22nd, 1975. Plotted by Len Wein, scripted by Chris Claremont, Penciler was Dave Cockrum. Inker is Sam Granger. Letterer is Karen Mantillo, or also Polcock. Uh, colorist is Petra Scotis, Scotises, uh, or Goldberg. I think I had trouble the last time saying this, too. So, um, And the editor was Marv Wolfman. Uh, <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> Uh, well, looking at the cover, the penciler for the cover is another Gil Kane cover with inker is Dave Cockrum. Let's take a look at the cover. And Jason, why don't you tell us what you see? Well, this is an action-packed cover uh, that, that uh, specifies that this is the all-new, all-different uh, X-Men. Mm-hmm. And it has a um, gigantic battle between the new X-Men and the Animen featured uh, prominently here uh, on the issue. In the foreground, you have uh, Thunderbird fighting a cat-like Andaman uh, creature. And then right behind him, also locked in hand-to-hand combat, is uh, Colossus, and he's battling a gorilla-like creature. Just a little bit behind them is Storm uh, firing uh, her lightning bolts at a dragonfly-like like creature. And then you can also see uh, deep in the background Nightcrawler fighting a frog like uh, Animan. So very dynamic, a lot of action, a uh, lot of color really pops at you. And there's a couple little um, blurbs on there. And up, up near the top, it says, Not a hoax, not a dream. This issue, an X Man dies. Classic. Uh, yes, yes. And then at the bottom, it said, You must read. War hunt. So that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Did you want me to um, to give you my grade or? Yeah. Or you want to go I, ahead? Uh, yeah. You want to? Yeah. W- what would you do I, I with think, this you know, cover? Would you frame it, box it, or 
just leave it. I, I love this cover. This is this is getting a three for me. This is one that that I would uh, you know if I had the the original art that's going up on the wall. This is an iconic issue. It was a huge um, plot point uh, in the beginning of this new X Men run. I think the the cover art is just beautiful. The colors are. Uh, amazing, very dynamic, lots of action. Yeah, one of my favorite X-Men covers of all time. Cool. Let's go to Delvin. Well, I, I I certainly feel like a complete Debbie Downer now. Like, even though I do think the cover was was super. It is a super cover. It is dynamic. Like, if, if you're not going to open that cover and, you know, get people sitting around reading books, you know, there, there are definitely going to be some scrapping going on in this comic book. And that's and that's a cool thing. And that the cover draws you into that. I, I'm going to be like super, super picky when it comes to like any cover that I give a three and like that I will put on my wall. So I'm going to give the cover a two. But I did love it. I mean, it was an action packed cover and the old school circle with the heads in it. I love that. I would they, they yeah. can bring that back every time. And I would I I'd geek out for it. So I love that. And I love the not a hoax, not a dream, because that's a classic throwback as well. It is a fantastic cover, but it gets a two for me. How about you, Jaron? I didn't know we were doing this comic tonight, so. Well, maybe it may. <laughs> maybe if you. Uh, uh, You're so jokes. easy, Jason. Don't give it to him. <laughs> jokes and jokes and jokes. Uh, I'm not falling for your crap. I'll tell you what, if, if when you do this episode, Pat, if you're feeling like like excited about doing some extra editing work, because I know you always do, just put in Delvin's thoughts and see if you can like just squeak up the voice a little bit so it sounds like me. at this point because i have the exact same feedback like right. i get why jason loves it it speaks to jason and, and there's nothing wrong with that it's a, it's a great cover but much like delvin and i've mentioned on previous episodes it's uh it's going to take a lot for me to give a comic a, a three i think the only three i've given was for what x-men 93 right that was the first appearance the first of this one. team is that right yeah, uh, it's, giant it's, size number one. Giant I think. Number one. Yeah, oh, giant, oh, yeah, yeah, giant size one. That's right, because it's just so iconic. Obviously, yeah. that's a three. But yeah, this is a strong two. I agree with Jason. One of the best things about the cover is the is the color. They they balance color really nice, and it's just really cool looking. But strong two, but uh, didn't quite crack into my three. Just like Delvin, I'm going to agree with you guys. You and Delvin, it's a strong two for me as well. Uh, definitely a strong two. The colors are awesome. It it is eye catching. I would you know, I would grab that thing off the shelf if I could. Yeah. I wish I would have back then. But, well, I would have been a couple of years old, so maybe I wouldn't. <laughs> but, um, definitely uh, would have would have picked this up if I was around and was able to at that time. Uh, like Delvin said too, that I can't remember what they call that up in the upper right hand corner. There's some special name that I would probably butcher unless one of you guys know it. Now we've struggled I, I, with this on other episodes. I yeah, I, I I even like oh. I was like, how do I describe that when I was trying to describe the cover and I just ignored it. I've heard I think I've heard a couple people mention it and it's probably somewhere on the Fire and Water network. So maybe I should ask my good friends John Beatty and J M D I just want to I just want to make it clear though. So like if any one of us stumbles on this original cover art, it comes to me, right? Because I'm the one that said that I would frame it and put sure. it on my wall. You would get it. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, sell it to you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, we <laughs> well I, I, 
I feel like because there's so many, I you know, I have to be a little picky on what I want to put on my wall because I don't have that you know big of space. So I, no, I, I get it. And, and in all seriousness, I mean, I understand where you guys are coming from. Uh, I talked, uh, I, I, I fessed yeah, up to this, cool. you know, oh, when we start, when we started this, that I, I'm a homer for the X-Men, um, as, as Delvin is for Spider-Man, as am no, I for no, X-Men, aw, so. No, no, <laughs> 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 I'm just, I'm respecting your Spider-Man cred, Delvin, yeah. and just you're, admitting you're, that, that I have some, uh, yeah, I'm a little bit of a homer for this book. <laughs> I do have one more thing to mention about this cover, uh, my thoughts on it, but I think I'm going to save that until it is my part. Um, Ooh. Uh, I'm going to save that until it's my part later on until we get to the high lows area. So without further ado with that, let's get into the uh, short synopsis, and that will be provided to us today by Jason. Stanley presents The Uncanny X-Men. The story opens with the new X-Men plummeting to their deaths. Um, as he falls, Cyclops is kind enough to give us a summary of what happened last issue. <laughs> so the gist of it is that the evil Count Nefaria and his grotesque goons, that's called the Animen, have taken over Valhalla Base, which is a secret nuclear uh, facility buried deep in a fortified mountain. Nefaria has threatened the world with nuclear Armageddon, and the X-Men are called in to save the day. Uh, no sooner did they arrive on the scene, however, than they were shot down and now find themselves in their current situation, which we pick up in this book. So Cyclops takes charge, and he orders Storm, Banshee, and Banshee, the two X-Men with flight capabilities, to carry Thunderbird, Wolverine, and Nightcrawler to safety. Colossus simply uses his armored form to protect himself, and he hits the Earth like a missile. Cyclops bravely volunteers to remain falling to the earth until Banshee is able to return and save him at the very last moment. Uh, so once they're reassembled on the ground, Cyclops orders Nightcrawler to teleport inside the mountain and find an access port for the rest of the team. So Nightcrawler gets in there and has a savage battle right away with one of the Animen, a frog-like creature. Uh, and he, uh, after after being victorious, he finds a, an access hatch and our heroes make their way inside. So once they get inside the fortress, the team's attacked by uh, chemical gas, hypnotized soldiers, and ultimately the Animen themselves. So in a ferocious battle, the X-Men initially find themselves losing, but the Count was ours uh, in the danger room, 
have taught them how to fight as a team. And once they start doing that, they make short work of nefarious animen. But forced to leave an unconscious Banshee and Thunderbird behind, the rest of the team discover to their horror that the Doomsday device uh, is locked and they cannot shut it off. So meanwhile, Banshee and Thunderbird regain their senses and stumble upon Count Nefaria, making his escape in a military jet. So a determined and frustrated Banshee leaps onto the plane and begins hammering the cockpit with his super strong fist. Professor Xavier, what's that? You said Banshee. It was Thunderbird. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I should have run this past you. Uh, you should have edited this stuff. So, yeah, Thunderbird starts attacking with a super strong fist. So Professor Xavier, meanwhile, has checked in with the rest of the team and informs them that the Doomsday system was knocked out of commission during the battle uh, with the Animan. And the world is safe, but telepathically sensing Thunderbird's danger, he orders the X-Men to Thunderbird's aid. Alas, they're too late. Despite Banshee's desperate pleas and Professor Xavier's telepathic orders, Thunderbird continues to ravage the aircraft until it explodes, taking the lives of both Thunderbird and Count Nefaria. Unable to abandon his student, Charles Xavier remains in, his, in telepathic contact with John Proudstar and feels his fear and pain as Thunderbird burns alive. The one thing the professor cannot share with his pupil, however, is the merciful release of death and Charles Xavier is left forever scarred. The end. Uh, thank you for that great recap, Jason. Let's get to our topics to discuss. And uh, was this a first read or a reread for you, Jared? This was a first read for me. How about you, Delvin? I believe this is a reread for me. Oh, it is a first read for me. How about you, Jason? Uh, this is a reread for me. Ah, move on over to highs and lows. Let's see what Jared has to say. All right. I will keep mine brief. I'm sure Jason probably has more, and, and Delvin, they're the, they're the X-Men of our X-Men. Never mind. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I'm still a man. What are you talking about? <laughs> The uh, wouldn't you the, be a why man then? <laughs> kind of <laughs> hate you guys. Um, I'd like to point out that I think, I think, um, Pat may may have done a verbal flub. He, he called your your uh, recrap, I think, at the end. Oh, he said that was a great recrap, <laughs> which I, I think you should leave in. A recrap, sorry, it was just it was just awful. No, Jason did a good job summarizing it. Yeah. Um, I'm a big, I'm a big, uh, of the X Men. Uh, I don't read the X Men a lot, but I like some certain of the characters. I'm big on Cyclops, I'm big on Nightcrawler, and I'm big on Colossus. Those are my big three. I liked uh, Cyclops at the beginning, making that strong leadership decision, putting the team first. Even though it was a stupid uh, <laughs> um, leadership decision, he, because he's like, oh, I'll just fall until Banshee can come back and get me, and Colossus can go to the ground like a missile. Well, so can Wolverine. Wolverine's going to be just fine <laughs> if, you, if you let him fall from there. So not sure why we needed to put make Wolverine the priority, or why Wolverine himself didn't speak up and say, no, no, grab Colossus. I'll, I'll see you guys in a little but, bit. But do we know birds, man? You mean the Wolverine? Doing, doing. He wasn't just Wolverine, then. He was the Wolverine yeah. all the time. Ah. The Wolverine. But, the Wolverine. But do we know it's not going to hurt him at this time? I mean. Oh, it's going to hurt him. It's going to hurt like crazy. I mean, it's going to hurt, but it ain't going to kill him, yeah. whereas it will kill Cyclops. Well, maybe he doesn't know that, but you know what I mean? At this period, were they still kind of figuring him out yet? Or? That's a legitimate they were still question. Figuring out, but Wolverine has pretty much had himself figured out, right? He's yeah. pretty damn old. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at him. He's old. Yeah. <laughs> he's just, he's just old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're you're right, Pat. Well, I don't know. Still been like and I think out to, the character. I think too. I mean, you hit something on the head here. Is that uh, the other part is, is is Wolverine is heavy because of the adamantium. Mm-hmm. 
And mm-hmm. I believe, you know, as you, I can remember some instances where Storm actually couldn't carry him or, or struggled to carry him. So I don't think, you know, this issue where she's carrying both Wolverine and Nightcrawler, you know, as this, as these characters progress and this, and the X-Men continue on, I think, you know, they're kind of redefining the character a little bit. So, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, but I'm going to pick on the book again, uh, immediately after that. Um, they're like, Hey, Nightcrawler, just teleport inside the building. And I know on multiple occasions they've said he can only teleport where he sees or somewhere he's been before. Otherwise, it's complete guesswork and he'll materialize in a wall. But, like, he just does it. And I'm like, okay. Because I remember reading specific issues where he can't teleport inside of a building because he doesn't know where he's going to end up. So that was a little weird for me. Um, How I got past that one is I I figured that they they had done some planning and had had some some idea of Like blueprints of the facility? Yeah, okay. some schematics, and yeah, so okay. he, it was Definitely kind of a schematic. risk. You know, there could have been a chair there or something. He, but maybe, but he knew basically where to teleport into. Maybe, maybe he watched like the the welcoming video. Welcome to Valhalla Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> While you're enjoying your think, stay here, please make sure. I will that. lawyer up this book, Jared. I will lawyer it. Up. I, I see it. I see that. <laughs> uh, no, that's that's fine. Or, or maybe he teleports like from last episode. We were talking about how the Anaman teleport. Teleported in like if it had happened in the men's room. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. Funny to everybody but Delvin, but maybe one day he'll we'll hear he'll hear that other yeah. episode. <laughs> well, so anyways, uh, other than that, yeah, I, I think it's the highs is uh, they did a uh, a cool job with the action. They did that good thing where they kind of feature everybody. Um, they did a good job of building up the fact that. Uh, Thunderbird is a complete jackass, and nobody will miss him if he dies. And then look at what happens at the end of the book. He uh, he dies because of his own pride, which is interesting because that's proud is in is in his name. And uh, and what really blew me away about that was I'm like, man, we just formed this new team. Like I knew enough about X Men history to know that um, this is Thunderbird, right? Not Warpath. I always get the two mixed up. Thunderbird. This is Thunderbird. Yeah, Thunderbird. Yeah, yeah John Thunderbird. Proud star, not James yeah. Proud star. I knew that I knew enough about the history that I knew he died, but I was like flabbergasted that it happened so fast. Like it, I'm like, oh, Jiminy Christmas, he died real soon. Yeah, uh, after, in this title, and I was just kind of like, whoa, it really took me back. But pull no punches here. No, they did not, and and that part was handled really well by putting it sort of through the eyes of Professor X. It gave it a good emotional punch. Definitely for a Claremont book, Claremont tends to take his time and be a little wordy, wordy, be a little uh, verbose. Yeah, a little yeah. verbose. This was a, a little this was a high blanket. action, <laughs> a little chitty chat. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But no, this was one of his more high-speed books, had a lot of emotional impact. I always like books that, that can make me feel something. And I actually felt something for, for more, more for Professor X. Like I said, with, with um, Thunderbird, he was such a jerk like all the time. I mean, obviously, you don't want him to die, but it's just like um, he didn't endear himself to the reader. That's for sure. Anyway, I thought it was real good overall. Good emotional book, good action. Uh, and we've already addressed the questions I had. So who's next? Let's go to... Uh, let's go to Delvin. I'm going to put a couple random things in there. Oh. Like this was the first book I read, and I saw the old school comic advertisements, and I was like, "Oh my god, those are awesome!" There's <laughs> 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 so much useless junk that, like, if you bought all that, you would have spent so much money on like a bunch of cheap plastic crap. But the, the ads themselves are awesome. 
Anyway, moving on. <laughs> for for such a like, they were falling in the air. Wait, I'm gonna interrupt. I want to interrupt for just a second. Okay. We gotta get Delvin on a long box crusade, so yeah. we do have a section where we talk about ads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Gotta get yeah, you on like, a regular I mean, episode. We we do talk ads from the books in the regular episodes. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. For like, I know it's a comic book, but I mean, for like, they were falling in the air. There was so much dialogue for them to be falling so rapidly. It's like, oh. God bless Chris Claremont. Like they, they, they could have had like like Charles Xavier like you know route them telepathically or something. Like nope, we could just talk it out as we're falling. Yeah. Yeah, really, we could hear each other talking, yeah. falling through the air at you know terminal velocity. Why the hell not? It was a hundred seconds you before he, they hit the ground. <laughs> yeah, so that I, so I thought that was. Um, kind of funny just random note i miss banshee banshee's a pretty cool character i hope like he makes some sort of comeback because i mean he's one of the few x-men they killed and he's just dead they didn't even bring him back yeah banshee's dead Mm. he's been dead for years he like actually didn't know that either (laughs) yeah he blew up in like a plane or something it was like wow I just realized that was just like this book. <laughs> yeah, they like, think about like a, they have a gear they like to work in. <laughs> yeah, some, something's like never ride a plane if you're like. So, yeah, but yeah, Banshee, I, it was it was interesting how Cyclops kind of went from like he was just about to panic, but then he switched back to being that serious leader in like zero zero two seconds. Like, I mean, I mean he, he was, like, starting to sweat it out. Like, oh, my God, I just might die. And then, like, as soon as Banshee threw it, all right, stop joking. Let, let's get back to it. Like, I mean, that's definitely leadership characteristics of uh, Cyclops. I, I thought that it showcased, uh, the book showcased Nightcrawler a lot. Nightcrawler is just, he's he's pretty awesome character. And, oh, I mean, yeah. between his, like, teleportation, yeah. between, like, the uh, the frog guy that he wound up fighting and just completely, like, disregarding and embarrassing, that was cool. Wasn't his name Croker? Um, yeah, I mean. He got mad at him calling him Frogman or, or Froggy, but yet his name's Croker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're going to take time to come up with a name, you want people to get it right. You know, like, I'm not frog guy. I'm croaker. (laughs) Yeah. The one thing that Claremont deserves a a ton of credit for is just, I mean, he he created those X-Men. and You can tell it because sometimes it's just like a a little bit of dialogue. Sometimes it's how um, Cochran drew the characters but they're definitely all distinctive mm-hmm. and that was cool and like and so that was really cool storm's moment in the book showed how powerful she was which was pretty awesome like my biggest thing with claremont um is his is is his his wordiness like there was um there's a scene where um you know dave Cochran pretty much showed that like that the animan gort he picked up thunderbird and took out banshee mm-hmm. <laughs> that's pretty self-explanatory and yet, mm-hmm. still, Claremont had to describe it anyway. Then, it's like, oh, oh no, he's picking up. <laughs> he's throwing him right at. Yeah. And, and then, like, uh. like the cat dude went to tell Wolverine that his metal claws were fake. I don't know how metal is fake. Um, <laughs> that was, was kind of weird. Yeah, he's a and cat. Then, what does he know? <laughs> and then, like, at one point, um, like. At, Colossus was fighting, and he actually said, I, Colossus. And I'm like, yeah, nobody talks like that. Um, <laughs> and then the, the last thing is, uh, it was kind of convenient that they left Thunderbird and Banshee behind, because unless they had schematics, 
they wouldn't really know how to go back and get them. They're just kind of like, well, they're unconscious, so let's leave them. Bye. <laughs> Which was kind of convenient. And then when, you know, Proud Star, he kind of like, you know, he was on the plane, you know, trying to take it out or whatever. It's like, and, and Banshee was like, well, I can take the plane out, but I need you to move, John. It's like Banshee could have made him move. Yeah, yeah. He could have screamed at him. He, he, he could have shouted him off the plane at any point, and he didn't. And it's like you—you you got the feeling that, like, it, it's like kind of how, like, just reading this issue, how they portrayed Proudstar, they kind of made him intentionally unlikable, like hinting that. I mean, like, you, you get the feeling. So bad. He's like, "Oh no, get off the plane, John!" <laughs> right? Or like, he or didn't make it. That's too bad. Oh no! What happens? You, you get the feeling that Claremont, like, that was his plan to kill one of the characters all along. And, you know, and, and maybe they just decided that the weak link in the book was, you know, Proudstar. And they just killed him off because he didn't really get much of a personality. Like, he got taken out in the battle pretty quickly. Then he just came and started punching a plane and got and blown up and died. And that was it. And, and I think. I think they've been building that up too, at least in in my mind. As reading the last the the other two issues we've read, it feels like it's been a build up to him being that kind of a a jerk. Not as bad as Hot Sunfire, head. but <laughs> Sunfire just <Yeah>. left. <laughs> but that was that was pretty much it for me uh, as far as highs and lows. Um, how about you, Jason? Um, yeah, I think I, I crossed over a little bit with uh, Delvin and Jared. Um, my likes, I think. I thought this was a really good book to, that identifies Cyclops growing more as the leader of this new team. Um, when I was reading this back as a kid, you know, like I, me and like everybody else was was really loving the Wolverine character. So Cyclops was just kind of like the jerk authority figure that was in you know Wolverine's way when I was when I was younger. But now as I'm older and a little more mature and rereading it, I'm like, oh, this is really a good you know Cyclops is, as we saw last issue, like you know made made the sacrifice of of, of uh, pursuing his love Jean Grey to stay and train and fight alongside these X Men and and this issue just kind of carried along his leadership talents. I think that the the backdrop of Valhalla base was an awesome setting for this story. I mean, you know, the fun and games within Valhalla base was just uh, it was a tremendous amount of fun. Uh, I think that was a really good, good setting for the story. I thought that the fight scene was really well done. Um, I think, you know, Jared and I have kind of talked about this before. When you have books like Justice League and the Avengers, there turns out to be, you know, like these big splash pages of battles and everything. And, and that's, that's really cool. But what this really did was it, it showed how, you know, initially the, the X-Men weren't doing very well as they were battling one-on-one. -on -one, but then when they started acting as a team, they really made short work of the Anna-Men. And that's where I think the X-Men was always really good about, about doing what, and they're, in their best issues you really see them come together and work um yeah. as a unit so i thought this this issue really highlighted that well uh, and ultimately i thought the ending was really powerful with charles xavier and 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 how he shared in the death of uh john proudstar and it shows you know how how committed he is you know to the students you know how tragic this was to the point where he couldn't abandon him even as he was feeling the pain of of uh, Thunderbird's death. I thought that was tremendously powerful and really captured well in that uh, 
in that image where you see his eyes and you'd see the mm-hmm. explosion in his mind. I thought that was a power, just a really powerful piece. Um, so those are my highs. The lows, I was really kind of disappointed in the Doomsmith, you know, the Doomsmith scenario is what this, you know, what the previous issue was called. And it was a big deal about how if the X-Men didn't get, you know, there in time that the world was going to end essentially. And I think, you know, to counter uh, Delvin's comment about why they left Banshee and Thunderbird behind, I think they, they were in a race against time and they didn't have the time to carry them. They, you know, they, they didn't know how many more adversaries they, they might meet and they had to get, you know, they had to get to their objective. But they but, had schematics, Jason. They had schematics. <laughs> I'm so, but they had to move. They had to move quickly. They didn't, know, they didn't know what other threats that they were going to encounter. So, so I, I can forgive that. But I thought that the so basically, you know, they get there and they're like, "Oh my God!" You know, we're out of time. And then Professor Xavier goes, "No, I've mentally scanned the computer." And I'm like, "I don't think it works that way. I don't. Think can, <laughs> computer doesn't have a brain. How do you know this?" And the fight that you had just shut the whole yeah. thing down. I was like, well, that, was, <laughs> that wasn't a very well-designed system then. Yeah, how did it shut it down? <laughs> so I thought that that was really anticlimactic and, and kind of just uh, really disappointing. Um, and then, you know, you touched on it, Delvin. The death of Thunderbird was not heroic at all. I mean, it's and it did seem contrived. It almost seemed to me like somewhere along the line they said, you know what, we got Thunderbird and we got Wolverine. They're both kind of douches and, and <laughs> you know and, and are badasses and, and don't get along with authority and we really only need one of those. You know, and I think Wolverine won the coin toss is is kind of, the coin toss is kind of how I, I feel about it. So I thought it just seemed like not a very um, you know, not a very heroic way to go for the death of a main character. And then yeah, last, oh, sorry, go ahead. I'll just say, in fairness, I guess they kind of made the right choice there, as you know, kind of keeping that resident badass around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, Wolverine yeah, no. Our, but he there. didn't really play a part in this one. No, you know? he didn't. no, no, he didn't. There was, Fake there ass were, claws. Yeah, there, <laughs> there were there were there were many better ways of taking out Count Nefaria that that he did not have to die on that plane. Um, well, uh, yeah, so, perso- the professor could have just mine did something to the controls of that plane. Turn the off, plane off. Now I'm just going to shut that plane. Yeah, off. But, yeah, apparently his powers work that way in this issue. <laughs> um, so, which brings me to my last point, and then I'll shut up. Is that you know every story is 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 as good as its villain, and Nefaria was a pretty weak villain. I mean, ultimately he was no Hans Gruber. I mean, this guy yeah. was you know he he oh Delvin got that one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look at that! <laughs> I, I see you that know, hard. <laughs> two issues, and and I couldn't tell you what his powers are. I have no idea exactly. what his powers are. Exactly. Um, and I'm an X-Men fan, and I guess he was in issue 60-something, and I just – I've never – I guess I haven't read that one. It was before my time. And I just – I know nothing about him. Yeah, and, you know, and basically, we have this big pivotal moment where we lose a main character, and it's a character that died needlessly fighting a villain that was, you know, uh, B-list yeah. at best, I guess. Dud. I don't know. You know. Dope. And, and so, so that was that, those were my those were my lows. Uh, overall, I thought it was a really good issue. It's a you know it's a key issue, and uh, I, I enjoyed it. 
but uh, not a perfect book. I think uh, I agree with the, a lot of what all of you guys have said um, on the highs and the lows. My highs is I'm really liking Cyclops. He's he's like my my top guy right now on the team. Whoop, whoop, uh, yeah, whoop. I, I like Nightcrawler. Bam. Banshee, I'm kind of yeah. Nightcrawler, I'm, awesome. I'm kind of warming up the Banshee. Yeah, but we'll see. I like Banshee. <laughs> oh, what's God, your powers? Like Banshee. Yeah, like a but, you know, like I said, <laughs> Wolverine isn't. He, he didn't do much here. You know, I was like, where's this tough guy from? So. The Wolverine. The Wolverine yes. <laughs> I, I'm waiting for him to come. I love the the simple. Hey, what's your name? I'm Catman. The the names for the Animen kind of match them. As, don't call me yeah, Frog. Don't call man. me Frog Man. My name's Croker. <laughs> yeah. My name's Croker. But the Catman. Yeah, I'm, I'm Catman. Kind of get. I'm pretty sure they took all those characters and directly put them in Mega Man series. <laughs> <laughs> or He Man. Or He Man. I'm, give, I'm giving it up for Dolan on the Mega Man. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I agree with uh, Jason on the low that uh, the evil bad guy, the Nefaria, definitely wasn't. Uh, it was built up way bigger in the last issue, but this issue, not so much. I do like that there was, um, I'm going to quote some Elvis here, a lot less talking, a little more action going on here. Hey, <laughs> um, <laughs> I enjoyed that. So like I said, with Claremont, you get the one talky-talky issue, and then you get the next one that's got some action in it. So overall, it's, overall it's a good issue for me. Um, art, I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, and then that Proud Star, um, you know, being a, a jerk, he was, yeah, he was more jerky than the last few issues. But now to go back to what I mentioned on the cover, if you guys go look at the cover. Oh, here we go. I've been waiting for this the whole thing. Okay. The giveaway is the, the, giveaway is the circle. It's in the circle. Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh. Oh, look at Detective Pat. Hey. <laughs> They're all per- in there. You have Banshee, Cyclops. Oh, yeah, Cyclops, um, Colossus, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Say Nightstalker, but Nightwing. <laughs> well, the Wolverine and there we go. Storm. It is missing Proudstar. David yeah. Bowie. Wait, that's Banshee. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> But yeah, it's a giveaway, so it's like, oh, well, of course. So that's a good yeah. catch, Pat. We are Just falling to so our makes, deaths. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> fighting out the fire. It's not a long box episode. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. That's a good catch, Pat. I knew I knew you would pay off eventually on one of these shows. Oh, that was good. Pay off, I feel like I've contributed something. Oh. <laughs> Uh, you know, <laughs> we set it up and he yeah, spiked I'm it. Look at that! By all these smart people, and now I feel like I belong. It's <laughs> <laughs> all for naught. <laughs> you guys completely. That's where this show took a weird turn. <laughs> <laughs> you had me at hello. <laughs> you had me at issue one. <laughs> had me at highs and lows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I think we're getting carried away here. So let's get into the ratings and get this over with. Oh, I had okay. one other quick thing to say that just jumped out at me. I really like the, the scene where Nightcrawler and Wolverine are teaming up to punch out that uh, ape, ape creature. Because if you think about it, that's really that's like one of the early setups for a, a great team up. And the two of them together have faced off many times and many opponents. And, and this is kind of like... The first one, the first of many. For a second there, I thought I was going to see my first fastball special. I thought That'd that was cool. coming. 
But I was like, yeah. oh, must not be in this episode, but, but whatever. But since we're making the episode longer, I wanted to point out one thing myself. And this is specifically to the um, Marvel Unlimited app. What was neat is when you finish the book, when you finish any book, it'll give you recommendations of something you might like if you like that book. Mm-hmm. And when you finish this one, it said, if you like books where characters die, try these, <laughs> t- these titles. <laughs> and I was like, damn, Marvel. First of all, it's dark as hell. Second of all, spoiler warning. Jeez, man. <laughs> but yeah, they were like, try Craven's Last Hunt or some other depressing. <laughs> <laughs> but no, true story. They were like, hey, if you like stories where people die, I was like, oh, okay, calm down, everybody. <laughs> They called it Craven's Last Hunt because Spider-Man can be uh, dark too, Dark Knight. Was That's just, right. <laughs> Don't get Delvin started. Do not get him started. Save that for another episode here. That's right. If you start Delvin on two the Rat Knight thing, he'll he'll go. He'll just go. Anybody uh, else? Everybody goes through their dark phase, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, just, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Anybody else have any other comments before we get to ratings? No, nope, that's it, it for okay. me. Do I need to? Re- I'm friends with James Dimatteis. Do I need to reiterate <laughs> the rating know. system? Yes. Everybody? <laughs> Jason. Jason. So, so one, two, or three, right? <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> uh, all right, let's do this. I just want to hear him read it again. <laughs> let's start with you, Jason. Um, despite the flaws in this book, I am a homer, and um, this is uh, this was a great read. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm going to give it a four. How about uh, Delvin? You got to love Jason's love for that. I can't even be mad at, a, at your four rating. Like I, I, I can even tell when you were describing the book. Like you, you could you could genuinely tell just like the love and the admiration you have for the characters, and that's that's pretty damn cool mm-hmm. to be honest. I gave it a three. Uh, I thought the book was good. I thought that the um, action was good, too. Like, it's always awesome if they promise that it's going to be an action book and it and it delivers with that action. The writing was a little bit clunky sometimes. It was a little bit wordy for an action book, but still, it was good. And, like, it, it definitely kind of just, it was a damper on it when, like, at the end, they were kind of just with, with John. It was kind of like. Even though, like, Professor X took it really hard, like, the rest of the X-Men were kind of like, yeah, well, bye. I get his room. <laughs> well, like, bye. Yeah, like, bye, Jim. I think it was John. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. I mean, they, they just seemed really, really, they didn't even stop to mourn. They just turned and left. Like, damn, did you even check to look at the body? He just he was your teammate. So anyway, it was it was a three. It was a three for me. It was not a bad book at all. It was it was definitely good. Jared, I'm going to give this book actually a four. Jason's gonna be so proud of me. Yeah, because I like books where characters Thank you, die. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I well it, I make a joke, but I actually kind of like I do like books that really matter that like this is a serious turning point and the death of of uh whatever the hell his name was thunderbird <laughs> thunderbird is uh i keep wanting to say warpath and i know yeah. that's not right um th- the death of thunder thunderbird is important like i don't read a ton of x-men but i know about it was i shocked it happened so early yeah i think they should have kept around a little while longer so we would have cared more and the team would have cared more could, like like everybody else has said it could have been handled better but it is a landmark issue, so it takes it from from a three to a four for me. And I think uh, I'm going to agree with you on that as well too. It, it's going to give me. I really like this, 
as well. Um, I liked it because it was, I think it had that great spot, again, of the action and, you know, not overly super wordy at all. So that's what I really liked about it as well. And I liked the team building that was going on. I enjoyed the cover. Overall, it's just, yeah, just a great story. And I don't know, I guess, like you guys said, it's it's an it's an iconic, more of an iconic issue, but me reading it for the first time, I, I really enjoyed it, and I didn't look at it in that kind of how iconic it is. Interesting. We all had very yeah. different takes for, for how we scored it. Yeah. Uh, but with that, I think we'll get going here. So let's take another podcast promo break, and we'll be right back. And I'm Sean. We're here to tell you about our podcast, Worst Collection Ever. And this is the show where we tell you about the worst comic book collection in existence. And it just happens to belong to us. We have some of the worst comics from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. They're bad. They don't, Terrible. They're not worth anything. No good. Why do we Very own them? Bad. I own number of issues of Terror, Inc. and Guy Gardner. Basically, we go around to local comic book stores and we buy everything we can out of dollar boxes. We tell you about the weird stuff in them. We tell you about stuff that's related to them. We go into tangents. And we're very uninformed, so... Oh my god, totally. But totally check out our podcast because you'll hear us just talk and joke about Marvel books and DC books from God Only Knows When. That's right. It's our show, Worst Collection Ever, every Tuesday on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. Download, rate, subscribe, tell a friend. It'll be good and terrible, but good. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the feedback part of the show where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. Please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short with just a star rating, it helps raise the profile of the show and we'll share your review on the next show. Let's get to social media likes, shares, and retweets from Comic Cult. Nexus of all, Daniel Velez. Cheap comic websites, Ken Solo. Weasel Skull, that's at Jason Albrecht. Douglas at Pizza Spirit. Chris at BTO and Bat Books. Bob Buster. Jarrett Albrecht, the yard sale artist. Bronze Age Babies. Gregory Lishfield. Blast It or Stash It. Joe Crawford. Thomas Williams. Dave Maynard. Maynard. Sorry, Dave. M. Anthony Gerard, Geraldo, that's Meg. And for the non-discerning reader, Julie Jensen, Catherine Kelly. Now on to social media replies and comments from Jared Elbrick tweeted a comment to at Van Allen Plexico gets brought up in the outtakes just after the one hour and three minute mark with a crying, smiling face. Bob Buster also commented, cool, both classic comics. Hope they like them if they hadn't read them yet. LOL. And then uh, Darth Brooks also says 94, issue 94 of the X-Men is an epic Dave Maynard gave us, uh, he also commented that gave it a listen to this morning on my way to work. Thanks, Dave, for listening. Appreciate it. We also want to give a thanks to everyone for the follows, likes, and shares. We appreciate your friendship and support in helping spread the word about this podcast. And that's going to be the show. So be sure to check out the website, longboxcrusaderchronicles.blogspot.com, where posts will be made out for journaling this crusade. I want to give a big thanks to both Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, and Jason Albrecht for being on this episode, along with our newcomer, Delvin. 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 Hey, thanks. You know, it's good to be here. 
You know, I like to thank God. I'm just one man, really. You know, <laughs> he's gonna just keep going yeah, if you don't no. stop. <laughs> I just say my yeah. prayers. You know, just a little good man upstairs. Sure. I get through it. He's not gonna stop Amen, if you don't bro. stop. So, Delvin, why don't you tell us where people can find you on the internet if they want to hear oh, from wow. you or chat talk about you? Let me let, let me let me check on the the, the, the twitters the Twitter tweets. tweets? Um, at D E E. Underscore R A Y 1977. Uh, and yeah, like you'll probably find me on there. Like I'm, I'm usually talking something about sports or comic books or something like that. And I'm always up for a good discussion. So like add me up and we can chat it up. I'm cool with that. Cool. I know, I know I got you followed and always enjoy uh, your banter back with Jared. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jared, we've upgraded, dude. They, they, it, he called it banter. Uh-huh. Like usually it's just like dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Juvenile. That was being nice. We're, we're going trying like to, I'm trying to make it sell it for you guys here. So. Oh, sorry, sorry, banter. Yeah, dude, banter. Uh, speaking of Jared, let Jared. Where can people find you? On Twitter, I am at Yard Sale Artist. On Facebook, you can find me as Jared Albrick Yard Sale Artist. Uh, you can find me with Pat and Jason, and maybe we'll squeeze a Delvin in here and there on the regular Long Box Crusade. Uh, I'm also a White Rocket Entertainment Network, where I'm on a couple different podcasts: one for Quantum Leap, one for Babylon Five, one for James Bond, and I have my own show called Comics with Normies, which you can follow on Twitter at Normies Comics or at Comics with Normies. I think that's enough for tonight. And um, Jason, how about you? Uh, you got all that many stuff going on? <laughs> Not quite as much there, Pat. But uh, if you want to chat with me, uh, I'm on the Twitters at Jason underscore Albrick. Uh, I'm also at uh, Jason dot Albrick on Instagram and Jason Albrick on Facebook. Uh, but really don't waste time on my sites. Go check out uh, the Yards the site. Uh, he's got some amazing stuff on there. I try not to give him a big head, but my brother is insanely talented. And if you want to see what projects he's working on, um, there's a lot of cool stuff going. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, there is definitely. He's got. I kind of feel like a jackass now for not talking Jared up. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know you're supposed to talk yeah. Jared up. This is the whole point of the show. I'm yeah. paying for this whole thing. I, I didn't get the flashcards. You got to give me the flashcards. <laughs> yeah, well, Jared's too busy with all the stuff going on to give us those flashcards and everything he wants us to, to say for him, but. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to, folks, you can also follow me or follow the show on at Longbox Crusade on the Twitters. Um, otherwise, you can follow me personally uh, uh, on Facebook at Pat Sampson. Um, you check me out there as well. I'm posting. Uh, I post some crazy stuff there, I guess. Just fun stuff. Whatever <laughs> comes to my mind. Um, if you like my sense of humor. And if not, don't follow me. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> uh with that, I think, again, appreciate you guys being on the show. And uh, I'd like to thank the listening folks out there. To hope you enjoyed this episode of the Crusader Chronicles. Uh, you got a comment or question, uh, email, us, email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook or Twitter page. Uh, so until next time, take care. And please join us on the next episode as we continue on the say Read, read, read them, them all. Read them all. Yeah. Dang it. Read them all. <laughs> Read yes. them all. I uh, confused again. <laughs> we, we, can, we can't get three of us doing it. There's no way four we're going to get four. <laughs>
All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We make no money on this podcast, and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. Hello. 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 Just call me back. Just call me back. I'm hanging up now. All right. Do not call him back. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it live. We'll do it live. (laughs) All right. I'm all prepared for this one, man. I got my notes. I got my summary in it. (laughs) You can't say you were prepared. You cannot say that. Hang on, guys. I want to test some technological issues, but I'm totally prepared. (laughs) I'm totally prepared. Let's go. Let's go. He does does motivate you, though, a lot. Yeah. And by motivate, I mean nag. Yeah. I'm sure you guys have all been there from him. What? Derek? Nag? (laughs) Yeah. I hear every word you're saying. Every <laughs> word. Hey. Just because hey. I'm muted doesn't mean you're muted. Just so you hey, know. <laughs> guys. I got, con- I got confused. <laughs> I wasn't worried about being muted. Power went out. I think the worst part about it, Pat, is it took us eight minutes to realize you were even gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that. But I don't know how it happened. Like like down the street, say about it, less than about a mile away is our fair mm-hmm. that's going on. So they got a rodeo going on. I'm like, how can you draw that much power from a rodeo? <laughs> You're plugging those horses. <laughs> yeah, it should be horsepower, right? Waka <laughs> <laughs> waka. All right, I'm back. All right. Now, what Pat did not tell us is that he actually had to. Uh, he's riding. He's riding a Bucky Bronco at the state fair. <laughs> he had to run off to do his do his set. <laughs> Got his eight seconds. Well, I haven't. No, I haven't made state yet. I just. This is just the county. So, getting the county done. If I if I can win that, then it's on the state. <laughs> More rooting for you. Yeah, it's gonna be a wild weekend. Hopefully, I can get through it. I'm gonna do that in the tractor pull. <laughs> Because it's balls and blood, dust and mud. You know, well, if I figure I can, I'm good at working the pole, so. Hey. <laughs> there are a lot of pictures of you working that pole. <laughs> See? That one, so why can't I do a tractor pole then? <laughs> what the hell? Somebody just die? <laughs> it's not me. My phone had moved. Man. Are you alive? Yeah, the cat took out my headphones. <laughs> Outtakes. <laughs> like Dark dark Helmet always said on Spaceballs, preparing. Why are we always preparing? Why don't we just go? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Have we stopped? <laughs> Smoke them if you got them. Good job, team. Yep. Nice work. Nice work. Except for my my cat carrying off my headphones, uh, this was uh, almost professionally. <laughs> it's the best outtake we've ever had. It's <laughs> like, oh, damn it! You need to pull a carbon. No kidding, that's a bad cat. <laughs> 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 she was all wrapped up in the cord too. She had my phone. <laughs> the whole thing. That's it was a catastrophe. <laughs> Smoke if you got him. Outtakes. We finally get somebody famous to listen to us. Do you remember? <laughs> the guy's name. Hey, uh, JMD Mateus follows me. Did I tell you guys? 
<laughs> you might have yep, mentioned it once or twice. Yeah. Don't feel bad, Delvin, because like like Jared's got this yard sale artist thing going on. So at the end of every episode, I'm just like giving out my Facebook. Thing. <laughs> I'm thinking it's so bad. I'm thinking about maybe I should be I should start like a site that's like Walter Peck was right. Was it Walter Peck? Yeah, from <laughs> yeah, that's you. Walter that's Peck you was right. That's a good idea. I like that without idea. rules. There's chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Giant walking marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> I support this decision. Okay, oh. speaking of nobody like to show off, you, you, I got to tell this story about my best friend JMD Mateus. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is legit. This is pretty funny. Just like it was yesterday, he, he tweeted uh, his first book that he ever worked on. Is he for, tweeting it was just for, to you? Yeah, it's just me. <laughs> and uh, it was the first book he ever worked on at DC was Weird War Tales, which is a book I've always thought was interesting. I wish you could read more of it. It's like the World War II with like ghostly, the mix books, of ghost yeah. tale. Yeah, like a World War II horror book. Kind of like Ghost neat. Tank. I used to love Ghost yeah, Tank. Yeah, very much in the vein of Ghost Tank. And uh, he posted that. He said, hey, this is my the very first work I ever did. Uh, and it's a lesson on, like like Delvin was saying, you know, a lesson on keep trying, you know? And being the smartest that I am, I, I commented, I said, uh, oh, I thought this was the only thing you did. Have you done anything else I might have heard of? <laughs> And uh, he tweeted back. He tweeted back the uh, the Marvel Comics adaption of Xanadu, which apparently he wrote. Oh, <laughs> yeah. and he and said, you can yeah, get that in this. your giant size collection. Them, them, that Marvel. Yeah, uh, yeah it's a premiere. Yeah. Yeah, premiere issue. Yeah, and he's like, I wrote this, and I was like, Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> and then he said, He said, He said, but uh, he said uh, something about uh, only a great writer can can make a comic ad- adaptation out of a musical. <laughs> I dare you to try it. <laughs> Man might have a point there. I was like, Yeah, that's, that's legit. He could crack me up, Xanadu. Well, every time, like, I, I, I'm seeing a pattern here. If you're like, oh, it's going to be a short one. It's going to be like an hour, hour and a half. You just double it. You oh. just double yeah, it. Yeah. I, yeah. I got to plow about four or five hours easy. You know, make sure I got a comfy chair going. That's, That's a lot it. of talking. I don't, I don't know if I can be witty that long. No. Like, you know. I know Jason can't. <laughs> <laughs> I think- I, I, I mean, I write down like four jokes, and I well, I, I think by sure the end of it, man. we're so we're so like tired, and we're, we're just silly. And I mean, and yeah, we, we get start stupid. Going, <laughs> like one time, we talked about like how it'd be interesting to do a podcast about with movies, oh, but God. from from the perspective of somebody that's like not, oh, yeah. you know, like not a main character, just like a you know, like like one of the Gamorrean guards, and you know, Empire. <laughs> this job sucks. <laughs> we we riffed on that. You gotta do. Oh. You gotta release that episode on its own, Pat. Yeah. We riffed on that. The uh, that's coming up. That's got to be coming up. The point of view of of the guy who drops James Bond off at the airport for all of his missions. Yeah, <laughs> that son of a forgets his attaché case one more goddamn time. I'm not going back for it. I can't. Yeah. I can only park here for a couple minutes. I have to. It's a loading zone only. <laughs> What the hell? I'll be in the cell phone lot, James. The cell phone lot. I told you that already. <laughs> how, how how was your trip, Mr. Bond? Oh, you slept with another woman. Oh, you saved the world. Yeah, it's really great dropping you off and picking you up, dude. This is wonderful. <laughs> we'll do this all night if you let us.
I got to go home and take care of my chickens. They free range. (laughs) (laughs) Goodness. Damn it, you couldn't get an earlier flight? (laughs) Yeah, and this is what takes takes one, two hours. (laughs) (laughs) The coach gets humanities, James. Hey, man, don't knock it. It's a fun-ass game. <laughs> it is a fun-ass game. I, I'm not going to lie. Did you know I was, par- right. was going to start? My- Did we lose Delvin? He's not laughing yeah. at my jokes. I don't understand. No, I'm here. I just didn't get myself, and that's why I was silent. <laughs> Delvin's just not playing our stupid-ass game. Yeah. No, you know I'm all about stupid-ass <laughs> games, Only, but I have to understand the stupid-ass games to laugh at the stupid-ass game. All right. We'll give you the we'll give you the rest of the episode to think of a movie and then but you gotta think of the movie from somebody else's point of view and make yeah, it funny. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, like one of the Nazi soldiers that had to protect the art, you know. <laughs> Is that crazy mother coming down here on a horse? <laughs> Surely <Wait>. he's not. <laughs> Wait, Have this guy tied answer? himself to our submarine? <laughs> He does know it goes underwater, right? <laughs> he he rode the submarine. He, he can have the ark. He earned it. Look, he rode the submarine. <laughs> Just give it to him. <laughs> All he had to do was knock. We would have let him in. <laughs> And then when Belloc comes out at the end with all get dressed up in that crazy outfit, he was like, "You know what? No, <laughs> I'm <laughs> just <out>. leaves." Yeah, <laughs> I didn't sign up for the freaky stuff. <laughs> I signed up to serve the fatherland, and now I'm digging a hole in the middle of the desert <laughs> for the last six months out in the desert. Some crazy guy threw me off the truck. <laughs> My friend has a rocket at me. But this is too much. Do y'all hear about Hans, man? He got thrown into a freaking propeller. <laughs> How does that even happen? Uh, yeah, poor, poor, poor Dietrich had to clean, clean it all up. <laughs> Some private out there with a broom. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> On the next episode, we'll do movies that Delvin's more familiar with. <laughs> Thanks to our special guest. Yep. I will go from there. Please so, mispronounce his name. Please mispronounce his name. <laughs> Whose name? Darwin. Darwin. Dar- Darwin Warlock. That's a pretty cool name. That's, That's a cool, cool name. name. <laughs> you need to change it, Delvin. That is that is not a cool name. That is a cool Darwin name. Warlock. If, 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 if I were creating like an EverQuest character or something. <laughs> night, everyone. Good night. Good night, John boy. Yeah. <laughs>